Unfiltered. Broadcasting live from West Wichita in the KQAM studios. It's time for your weekend kickstart with Wichita's number one conservative talk radio host. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. What's up? Welcome into it. It is Kansas Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker. 1480 on the AM dial, 99.7 HD4 on the FM dial if you have that smart radio. Plus our friends out in Garden City broadcasting as well. So wonderful to have you along for the ride today. Good Saturday morning. Happy weekend to you. Hopefully you are staying nice and roasty, toasty, warm out there. Can you imagine? Negative 10 degree wind chill today. Negative 4 degree temperatures overnight tonight. The single digits. Winter is officially here. I got to say, in the, what, 10 years that I've been here? 11, 12 years that I've been here in Kansas? Overall, this is the first time that I've seen so much snow at one particular time. Now, I love it coming from Colorado. I kind of miss the snow already. I told the wife numerous times that I am dying to get back to Colorado and do some snowboarding. And I think it's because I've seen so much snow here recently that I'm just getting those old-time feels back, if you know what I mean. I want to get back there and enjoy some of that, uh, where that same snow that we received just the last week or so is like eight feet deep and on top of a mountain at 10,000, 14,000 feet, and you just cruise right on down into that bowl. Sounds pretty amazing to me. So uh, it's, it's exciting. We need the moisture out here in the plains as well, for sure. So this is definitely helping out. I'm sure the farmers are loving this for their winter wheat crops. And a lot of good things happening right now. It may be cold, so if you don't like the cold, I'm terribly sorry. But it is wintertime. Uh, the proof positive of global warming, right? The fact that we're getting an Arctic chill coming down with the negative degree temperatures across the plains of states. Oklahoma, Nebraska, Kansas, Missouri, Colorado, all these areas here in the middle of the country getting this devastatingly cold temperatures. I'm, I was listening to some other talk show hosts the last couple of days or so as they were talking about this, and obviously it doesn't need to be as big of a news story, in my opinion, because of the fact that, well, it's wintertime, so we should anticipate the fact that there's going to be cold temperatures, but it is a little bit colder than normal, and everybody's losing their minds over this one. And I'm, it reminds me of just a few years ago, if you remember here in Kansas, when we saw these negative 10-degree temperatures. And everybody lost their minds, and we were concerned about natural gas supply, and we saw the price of natural gas go up to near $600 per cubic foot, and your utility bill go from like $120 to $150 that you see on a normal month to like $2,500 in a single month because of how much that was needed as they were trying to buy on the market at that time. So I'm hoping, hint, hint, wink, wink, energy companies, that you had pre-planned for this one instead of jacking the prices up on us all over again and screwing over our finances. Just, just throwing that out there. So we'll talk with some of those in the Energy Committee in the state legislature in the next few weeks to talk about what that may look like with the investigation from three years ago and what could happen this year as well. So got a lot to talk about today. Welcome into it. It is Kansas Talk. I am Andy Hoosier. So wonderful to have you with us here on another Saturday morning. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK on the Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotlines. I would love to hear from you today. We have a big slate uh, lined up for you because it has been a wild week. Week number one of legislative session 2024 in the books already. Hard to believe as they started right out of the gate on Monday, Tuesday this week. And... Show of hands, how many people even knew that there was a state of a state address this week from Governor Laura Kelly? Yeah, 
Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They didn't even, it's weird. You would think they would promote that, especially being a Democrat who likes to be in the limelight, obviously, who likes to really have the attention on them to try and show what their agenda is and to get out in front of the media before Republicans do it, that they can say that this was their whole agenda the entire time. Kansas Governor Laura Kelly giving her State of the State address earlier this week. We will be breaking some of that down throughout the program today. I have a few of the audio clips and we'll talk with some state legislators on the show. That's what the show is lined up. Uh, it's some great guests today. Uh, bottom of this hour, we have state uh, state representative Pat Proctor from district number 41. He is in the Leavenworth area and we'll chat with him. Uh, he's on a few different committees. We'll chat about uh, with the upcoming election season and energy and utilities, along with uh, some of the government ethics and others. Plus the big conversation that we've heard, at least in the news this week has been the budget talks and tax breaks in the state of Kansas. Now, that's a weird conversation to be having because Kansas Governor Kelly, being a Democrat and vetoing numerous different tax-cutting bills, is now advocating for tax cuts across the state. She is one of the most unique, strange, weird governors that I have ever seen in my entire life because she fights the Republican policies and talks about the failed tax system from Governor Brownback, the failed tax experiment, the conservative experiment on taxes. She fights that stuff and then she comes out and talks about her own tax breaks, which are essentially the same tax breaks that Republicans have been advocating for. But then she says it's her agenda. And then when the Republicans pass it in the legislature, that's a supermajority, by the way, and then she gets it on her desk, she signs it and says, look at that. The Republicans are working with me on what I wanted to do. Like she's hoodwinked everybody on the Democrat side by saying that she's a Democrat, doing Republican things, taking the Republican agenda while fighting Republicans doing it and then saying it's her agenda when she does it weirdest thing man so uh we live in la la land here in kansas i don't quite understand how she's able to get away with half of this but nonetheless they are talking about a bipartisan tax bill that would get rid of taxes on social security which is like common sense i don't know why we haven't done this in a long time oh that's right because democrats have stopped it and republicans have pushed to do that for a long time they she's also advocating to end the sales tax on food by june or by April, whenever the bill was, the last that I heard, uh, earlier this year, instead of waiting until next year. Now, as you know, starting at the beginning of January here, we've already seen the decrease in sales tax go from 4% down to 2%, and then the 2% is going to end right now at the end of this year, starting January of 2025. And she wants to just eliminate it now and have it done by the end of the session. Again, something Republicans have done for years where she fought on getting rid of any sales tax on food, where she's uh, voted against it as a state senator. She vetoed it multiple times as a governor. And then all of a sudden she passed the last bill and now wants to get rid of it wholeheartedly when Republicans have been saying, hey, maybe we should just get rid of this thing. And she's like, no, 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 we need to stair step it. We need stability in the revenue for the state of Kansas. And now she's like, oh, yeah, we got to do it. Why aren't you guys getting on this? Let's get it done. And then she tries to take all the credit for it. So uh, we'll break all of that down. Uh, very strange conversation there. Coming up, hour number two, State Representative Rebecca Schmoy. She's with District Number 59, also with One Million Moms Against Gun Control. She's advocated and has officially introduced a very pro-Second Amendment piece of legislation in our state legislature about trying to kind of uh, solidify and protect uh, some constitutional rights when it comes to gun advocacy in the state of Kansas. And uh, really excited to have her back on the program. And bottom of next hour, we'll go on to the Senate side with State Senator Mike Thompson from District Number 10 in the Johnson County and Wyandotte County areas to break down the state of the state address along with other issues and the legislature as well. So we are loaded up with legislators today on both sides of the ch on both chambers. 
And I'm really excited to have them on the program in just a bit. So open lines to you right now if you want to jump in at 316-721-8255. There's some other issues going on in, in the legislature as well that I think need to be addressed, at least to have some type of conversation, because there's a legal battle going on with Attorney General Chris Kobach, where he was in court earlier this week advocating for the SB 180. Now, if you don't remember what the SB 180 is, that is to essentially mandate that all government documents have the proper gender on those government documents for those that try to identify as something else. And again, Democrats, certain organizations, including the ACLU of Kansas and others, they're all freaking out, losing their minds over the fact that we have to put your gender that was assigned to you at birth based on, I don't know, reality and your actual biology, that you have to put that on your driver's license. Andy, why do we have to put that on our driver's license? It's very common sense, and it's weird that we, again, sad and weird and scary and stupid that we even have to have this conversation, that you can do whatever you want to do. And I I had a conversation about this a couple days ago because someone came to me and said, Andy, regarding this case, why is it that Republicans are all about limited government, keeping government away from you, but then force people to do this? (laughs) And I had to chuckle a little bit because they try, that's the argument from the other side, they try to lump us in as, oh, you hypocrites, you want to dictate what people are allowed to do, but then you say that you're a limited government. And there's a line, and maybe it's best to describe this. Maybe this is the aha moment, the light bulb for some to come on here. So think about it critically. If you're against me and if you're angry about me with it, just sit there and just l- just let the seed plant for a second and just ponder it for a bit before you just automatically put up your walls for a second. Just let it resonate with you for a moment and think about the logic behind this. There is a line between allowing complete anarchy in society for anybody to do anything they want to at any time and just confusing everyone to where we don't have any structured society to where we have some form of structure for us to be able to operate as a society. And biological sex is one of those basic, common, like really stupid low IQ conversations for us to be having because by this time in society, we should be talking about how to create civilization on a spaceship going through time at the speed of light, not wondering what gender we were when we actually got born, uh, when we were born, because that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. But nonetheless, here we are. So uh, if we're going to have some type of structure in society, and if we're going to be able to help people the best that they possibly can, you kind of need to have the proper information. Now, as much as I disagree with something like affirmative action uh, for either gender or for race, if we're going to have it, then how can you have a legitimate, proper type of affirmative action if you have someone that does not have the accurate depiction of who they really are on their state-issued IDs? Just throwing that out there. If you're applying for college... If you're trying to apply for maybe grants from the government to start up a business, if you're trying to apply for scholarships to go to college, or uh, if you're trying to apply for whatever, and you go to the government and you're like, hey, I am a female, then there's usual perks for you to be a female, to get that extra money to go to college, to be able to start up that business, to be able to get uh, nice grants or loans or something based on that gender. It shouldn't be because that's really dumb in society, again, with affirmative action that needs to go away. But the fact that we have that now, are you truly a female or are you a dude who's lying about being a female to get those government perks? If that's the case, uh, the same person that asked me why the government likes to be intrusive here told me that I apparently am not able to self-identify as a Native American or self-identify as a black person. No, 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 that that comes with other connotations, he says. What do you mean? 
I can identify as a woman, but I can't identify as an African-American. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. So even they try to draw lines of what makes sense and what doesn't make sense, but that line's just a little bit wonky. So Chris Kobach in court this week uh, going up against Shawnee County District Judge Teresa Watson's talking about this SB 180 that essentially uh, tells us that we have to have our gender that was biological sex at birth put on our state-issued IDs. If you get into an accident and the di- you, you can't speak, you're out, uh, you're out in a coma or you're just knocked out cold and you have to go to the hospital and the doctor has to wonder what type of operation to do to you, it would be kind of somewhat helpful to know, to know what kind of blood type you have, to know what kind of hormones you have in your body, and know what type of internal organs that you may or may not have in your body as well. Hence, a state-issued ID with the proper type of identification on there for what you really are. Outside of that, I don't care what you do with your life. I really don't. Andy, you're being so bigoted this morning. I'm really not. I don't care what you do. If you think that you're a lamp post in your bedroom, then all the by means be the best damn lamp post that you can possibly be in your bedroom. But recognize the fact that your reality is slightly different than what society is in general, and that when you walk outside of the privacy of your own home, that society functions a certain way. And for you to be an intricate part of that society, you have to play by those rules. Whether you like those rules or not, you can't just be the spoiled brat kid that changes the ga- the rules of the game in the middle of playing the game, that you have to recognize that, hey, this is the way society works. You can believe whatever you want to in your own personal life, but we don't have to pander to that and play to your fantasies when you walk out into the general public. There's a line there. Outside of that, I don't care. Live your best life. Do your thing. Do whatever makes you happy. The arguments from the other side here in this case, which is what I think the most interesting piece of this entire argument, because they don't have like actual facts. They don't have actual stats to show why this would be beneficial in society for someone to choose what gender they want on their state-issued IDs like their driver's license. According to the director for the American Civil Liberties Union, along with the Kansas Department of Revenue, they say that the reason that we should be able to choose our gender on our state-issued IDs like our driver's license is they say it's an expression of someone's identity. Quote, they say that it made, uh, let's see, let's see if I can find the quote again. I just lost. My page felt like rebooting itself. Hold on a second. Here we go. Uh, they say that that creates a mass amount of mental distress and mental health issues and negative mental health consequences that are suffered by removing this source of affirmation. <laughs> yeah, I know. Let me repeat that for you again here real quick. They say that they made the appeal to the perspective and empathy focusing on the danger of outing transgender residents by having a gender marker that does not match their identity, as well as the negative mental health consequences that are suffered by removing this source of affirmation. In other words, they know that they're not really that gender, but they need that constant affirmation to look at their state ID for something else to reaffirm to them that they are what they feel that they are. Even though they're not, they have to have it constantly reminding them that that's what they are so that way they feel better about themselves or else they have extreme negative mental health issues. That to me sounds like a you problem. That doesn't sound like a society problem when we actually have to function a certain way in society. That's not an argument of science. That's not an argument of fact. That's a literal argument of just I'm going to feel bad about myself unless I have that constant reminder by something other than just me telling me that I am what I feel that I am. That sounds like a really weak argument, as opposed to this is the way that it is, the reality of it. And you can either embrace reality and feel good about yourself, 
or you can be in a constant state of anger and hatred about yourself because you don't feel good about yourself, in which case that falls under the category of you need to like boost your self-esteem a little bit and be proud of who you are organically, which we used to do in society. But now we shame that for some reason. Very strange. Lots more coming up on Candace Talk right here on KQAM. Stay here. Six minutes past the hour. Welcome back into the program. If I remember correctly, I could be wrong on this, so don't quote me on it, but if I remember correctly, that Shawnee County Judge Teresa Watson is a relatively left-leaning judge in the state of Kansas. Again, could be wrong, so I don't know. So, with the emotional argument of, they need that constant affirmation or else they feel very bad about themselves, as opposed to, hey, the legislature passed this. We need it for state identification. This is like your state-issued ID for like governmental purposes for us to be able to track what's going on in society like that would seem to be a very easy closed case shut and it would be a decision that would be done like in the first five minutes but the fact that it's not it shows that you know things are kind of balanced out in the minds of the judge who's actually overseeing the case because i and again i could be completely wrong on this but i seem to remember that name in other cases sounds vaguely familiar and it could be the fact that, well, they're a relatively left-leaning judge that has made some ridiculous uh, decisions in the past. Not quoting, not quoting, could be wrong on that, but my assumptions there, uh, the radar is popping up saying, hey, something might be a little wonky in this case. But, I mean, if you had that and be like, all right, here's what the law needs and what you know you need to be able to function in society as opposed to, I need this constant reminder to tell me that uh, I'm special and I'm great and yada, 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 and that this is what I feel like I am. Like, there's that's you. Okay, find another way for your personal information to remind you about the way you live your life every day. And again, I don't care how you live your life. God bless you. I love you to death. I still love you uh, as much as anybody else. But at the same time, like, there's a line on what we tolerate and accept to be able to function in society is a structured society as opposed to just complete anarchy to do whatever we want to do got a couple minutes here let's go to the phone shall we 316-721-8255 on the maximum outdoor equipment hotlines line number one good morning who's this good morning Andy. it's nick nick what's going on my friend happy gregorian new year to you yes happy gregorian new year my friend that's right hey all we right so we re- real I'm, quickly I'm looking forward to your show uh, thank you real uh, quickly but- i have to say the city council the I, I am do I am preparing a presentation for the Wichita City Council soon, and I will do this at a certain time, and I don't know what the response is going to be, but it has to do with the new year. So just be prepared for more information. Nice. I like that segue. That's good. <laughs> hey, you know, we love limited government, uh, but we have, have to also look at our faith, family, and freedom. And if we get off track, we kind of make idols of a mental health system that's like taking over what crime is or what gender is. And, you know, I think, I think in the end we're, we're not doing a lot of force with maybe this bill, but we're, we're argue the our argument is that we're defending those who might be questioning themselves. Um, but just also defending people's natural rights, which we get constitutional rights, which we get from a uh, family and then freedom. So, you know, life is still important and, and faith and family and freedom is still important and yeah. so however you go we gotta just be the men and women we're supposed to be 
and and you know make it make it simple. Keep it simple, as they say. Yeah, lead by example. I look forward to hearing your show, and um, look forward to the to the new Kansas legislative session, and um, I I look forward to bringing up uh, my favorite issue probably at a later date. But uh, let's do it, brother. God bless you, Andy, and and you have a good. You have a good good show, and I look like I said, look forward to listening to you. So. Hey, appreciate it, Nick. Yeah, happy New Year too, my friend. We got to take a break here, but yeah, I appreciate. it. I'm looking forward to chatting with you throughout the year. We got a lot of cool stuff to talk about, and uh, yeah, it's going to be good. So, happy New Year to you. We will have lots more coming up. Pat Proctor, State Representative, District Number Forty One, right around the corner when we come back on Kansas Talk here on KQAM. Stay tuned. Wichita's number one conservative talk radio host. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into it. It is Kansas Talk right here at Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. We're also simulcasting with our friends out in Garden City on KIUL, the Big Talker out there, 1240 AM. Welcome into it. Great to have you. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK on the Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotlines. If you want to jump on, what a big week of the legislative session of 2024. Way to kick things off. In style, for sure. There was a lot of conversation in it. <laughs> uh, we mentioned it in the first half hour. It's strange to me. I've never seen quite a situation where they try to say that the state of Kansas is purple because while we have, we may have a supermajority of Republicans in the legislature in both chambers. Now, I say that with a grain of salt because many of those are Democrats in disguise. The rhinos, Republican in name only, that vote predominantly with Democrats that stop a lot of the Republican agenda. So we have that battle going on. But overall, we still have a vast majority of Republicans in our legislature and in the Democrat governor, which continues to reinforce the idea that, again, I'm the only one that's talked about this and I think this needs to happen. But we need to seriously take a look at the idea of a state electoral college process, meaning any statewide race for governor for Secretary of State, for U.S. Senate races, that uh, we have a, an electoral college process at a statewide level to represent those in the rural districts because Governor Kelly again won with seven districts and or seven counties in the entire state. And I think that that is not the best representation of what the state's all about. Nonetheless, I digress. That the only way that they say it's purple is because we have this Democrat governor. And the Democrat governor's been pushing for a massive agenda for this entire time she's been in office, this Medicaid expansion that still hasn't happened, bigger government projects that have, I guess, kind of been there, but she hasn't really gotten it to at least the degree that she wants to. So the only way she can get a win is to fight a Republican agenda, then say that she wants to do something that Republicans have been trying to do, then when Republicans do it, she signs it and tries to take the credit for it a.k.a. the sales tax on food would be a prime example because she voted against it multiple times as a state senator. She vetoed it multiple times as a governor. Then just last year, was like, oh, yeah, sure, we're going to go ahead and just uh, lower the sales tax on food. After campaigning on it, saying she wants to axe the tax, you know, chasing people around with a, a hatchet in the grocery stores during her campaign stuff. And then when Republicans have been trying to do this, they finally get it done. She signs it. She's like, ha-ha, they're working with me with my agenda. Like, what are we talking about here? I don't know if you were aware or not, but we did have a state of the state address earlier this week from the governor that was angry with Republicans for not expanding Medicaid and talking about doing things that they've been trying to do forever because she wants a W on her record. To talk about some of this and so much more, happy to have on the program from the Leavenworth area. We go out to District Number Forty One. Happy to have on the program State Representative Pat Proctor. Pat, what's going on, brother? Happy New Year! 
Uh, thanks for having me, Andy, and Happy New Year to you. And uh, like I said, we're still uh, reeling from the scolding we received <laughs> from our governor at the state of the state. But I, I, I'm recovering nicely this weekend. Recovering nicely. Yeah, for those that may not have heard this, and we have some of the audio we'll play a little bit later, but what, what happened here? She didn't advertise it much. It wasn't marketed much. No one really knew what was going on. It was just like, boom, here it is. And uh, she came out vicious against you guys, realizing that her tenure as governor is just about up. And she hasn't quite gotten done what she's wanted to get done. Yeah, it was sort of surreal, Andy. I mean, uh, she's she pitches the speech as I'm trying to save rural Kansas, knowing that her and nobody in the House Democrat or the Senate Democrat caucus actually represents any rural voters, <laughs> and then talks about all these proposals that are going to help all the big city hospitals in uh, Johnson County and uh, yeah, it was uh, sort of surreal, sort of surreal. Yeah, I'm assuming that the Medicaid expansion conversation is dead on arrival in either chamber because of having Dan Hawkins as speaker, having Ty Masterson as the Senate president, that it's not going to go anywhere. But uh, why would she continue to push this when it's been shown over and over again that it's not going to save rural hospitals, but in fact can just consolidate more money into the big cities while the small rural hospitals across the state continue to close down? Yeah, you, you can know. You can know if a pr- proposal is genuine or not by who stands up and claps for it. And uh, this is uh, this this whole idea is just a boondoggle for the uh, for the five big hospital systems in the state. It would be cheaper for us to write a million dollar check to every rural hospital in the state, and I'm not opposed to that if it keeps them open than to uh, than to uh, expand Obamacare. Uh, and by the way. Kick a bunch of people off insurance that are on insurance now, because uh, uh, you know the employers that are paying for really expensive uh, medical uh, benefits are going to kick a lot of people off and just let them fall onto the government system and bankrupt the state. Wow, that's unfortunate. I, I know that we're seeing an evolution in the healthcare industry for sure. We see a lot of the a lot of clinics, a lot of mom and pop clinics that are popping up now that are the membership based ones as opposed to just being open and accepting health insurance, which I think personally is going to be maybe the future of healthcare moving forward. But when we talk about the hospitals, obviously there needs to be a place for major surgeries or some of the scans or some of the big technology stuff. That's what we're talking about here, right? Because the other industry, I think, the other clinics, the mom and pops, the the, the local pharmacies, those that stuff I think is going to be the future of what the majority of healthcare is going to look like moving forward. Oh, you're, you're absolutely right, Andy. You know, I, uh, one of the other hats I wear when I'm not in the legislature is as a restaurant owner, and you know we can't afford health insurance for employees. But uh, there's a great clinic uh, run by Judy Beck right down the street here in Leavenworth. She's a advanced practice registered nurse. Last year, the legislature passed uh, passed uh, legislation to make it easier for her to operate. If I have one of my employees who's sick, you know I throw my car and I drive them down there to Judy and she patches them up. And, uh, you know, for 99.9% of the things that people are going to need, I think that's the solution. We want to give people more access to health care, not, uh, not, you know, shower money on these huge hospital systems that are already doing just fine. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Uh, let's shift gears and let's talk about taxes right now. As we mentioned, the governor, obviously being progressive Democrat, has vetoed and voted against as a state senator and as a governor, voted against multiple times tax cuts in the state. I remember multiple bills of just a straight, let's eliminate the sales tax on groceries. Let's lower taxes overall for uh, income tax. Let's get rid of uh, taxes for Social Security recipients in the state. 
vetoing it, voting against it all throughout her tenure as an elected official. Now, apparently this year, that's her plan. She wants to work with Republicans on the other side of the aisle to get rid of Social Security tax in the state, to lower taxes here, to end the sales tax on food by the end of the session this year, as opposed to waiting until January. I mean, Ben, we've been trying to do this for years. How in the world did she come out with this agenda now? Yeah, that, those are really good ideas, Andy. In fact, they're so good that I voted for them last year and she, <laughs> twice and she vetoed them. You know, I mean, if if she had not vetoed food sales tax back in 2019, it would already be zero. Yeah, People forget that. You know, the newspapers conveniently forget that. You know, the, the Social Security tax, we passed that and sent it to her desk and she vetoed it last year. The uh, You know, the uh, expanding the exemption on property tax, uh, you know, from I think 20 to 80 we sent her last year, uh, we passed that and yeah. sent it to her desk, and she vetoed it. So I'm glad that she's finally uh, seen the light. I'm hoping that this year when we send it to her, and I, it's coming quick. We're going to pass something right here at the front of the session. I hope that she's good to her word and she uh, signs what we send her. Yeah, what a concept, actually working together and she coming to our side while she tries to take credit for that one. There is conversation that maybe the new consolidated tax, the, the single tax rate in the state, the the flat tax, if some people want to call it that, that was proposed last year by the Kansas Chamber of Commerce uh, with that $15,000 threshold up or above, that that might be back in the works here. Have you heard any more on that? And do you think that's going to be what the main conversation is this year? Yeah, uh, that that is going to be a part of the conversation. Um, the uh, Senate Tax Committee and the House Tax Committee uh, conference this week, and uh, I think they've settled on a five point two five percent rate. You know, and of course the the Democrats say what the Democrats always say when you try to do something substantive about taxes. Oh well, it's going to the rich. Yeah. You know, we are going to take tens of thousands of Kansans off the off the tax rolls. They're not going to have to pay taxes at all with this uh, solution. Nobody's taxes are going up. Uh, most people's taxes are going down. Uh, yeah, the vast majority are going down. Um, and uh, so it, it makes sense. We're taxing people out of the state, Andy, and we've got to do something or we're going to be a ghost town. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see that. Uh, and, and again, anyone making less than $15,000 wouldn't have to pay any sale or any uh, income tax on their income, which is uh, an interesting concept as well. We're talking about State Representative Pat Proctor, District Number 41 from the Leavenworth area. Let's talk about elections for a second. I know you're on the Elections Committee in the House uh, this year. Kind of an interesting change that we're seeing now with a uh, state-run presidential primary coming up in March as opposed to the caucus system that uh, we've seen normally in uh, in the past in the state from the, from the parties that actually ran them. Are we prepared? Are you, are you seeing things uh, run, and are we ready for a major election year for 2024, do you think? Yeah, I, I think we are ready. You know, I, I've served on the chair. I've served as the chair of the Elections Committee here. I'm starting my second year, and uh, we did a lot of work last year uh, to clean up uh, the elections law. Uh, both the parties are on board for uh, us doing a presidential primary this year. Um, so I, I think we're ready. Uh, I think we're going to show the rest of the country how it's done. I like it. I know that other states, we talked about this, obviously, when it was a big issue back in 2020 with voter fraud, election fraud, that sort of thing, that after Georgia, for example, like to mimic a lot of their new laws with their reforms on what we've done here in Kansas. Are we secure? Are we good? I know that you guys have been fine-tuning some of these laws and updating stuff, but I'm I'm confident in our electoral system here in Kansas. I think it runs pretty smoothly. You know, I'm confident, too, but there are a lot of folks out there that still, uh, you know, have very deep concerns. And you know, for the last two years, three years, 
you know, the the mainstream media's approach has been, you know, call them crazy, you know, uh, ostracize them. That hadn't worked. It's made the problem grow. And so what I've been focused on since I've been the chair is some good, quick wins that we can do that are going to improve voter confidence and bring more people back into the system. Because, you know, I, I when I go out and I knock on doors, uh, I talk to a lot of folks that are, you know, have so many doubts and so many concerns, they're just not voting anymore. And that, that our country's not going to survive if that accelerates. So, uh, you know, this year we're going to take a look at uh, auditing paper ballots because uh, there's still a few counties that are using ballot images to audit their elections instead of paper ballots. Every vote produces a paper ballot. Let's count the darn paper ballots when we're doing that dual independent check. Uh, we're going to take another uh, another run at a, you know election day being election day, so we don't keep taking on ballots for another three days after the election. But these are these are not things that you know have been exploited to date. But, you know, I'm at my, one of my other hats, I'm a Homeland Security professor down there at Wichita State in your neck of the woods. And mm-hmm. uh, you don't wait until there's a disaster before you address a vulnerability. So if we see things that clearly need to be fixed, let's fix them. And that's what I've been focused on mm-hmm. as the chair of the Elections Committee. I love it. Amen to that. Last couple of minutes here left with you, Pat, and I appreciate your time very much. But you just mentioned about some of the Homeland Security issues, which I wanted to mention to you, because obviously nationally right now, one of the main issues is, of course, immigration, the massive flood of migrants coming in uh, to the country. Uh, from what you can see at the legislative level and the statewide level, are we seeing any of that coming into Kansas, some of the illegal aliens, some of the buses coming to this area uh, around the state? And are we prepared to handle those types of issues outside of the drugs and the fentanyl and the human trafficking, but just the massive dumping of migrants coming in and saying, here you go, do your thing? Well, I'm glad you brought that up, Annie. I'm glad that you're going to have Rebecca Schmoy on in the next hour here. She, uh, Her and uh, Carrie Barth did some great work last year on human smuggling, and I'm not going to steal or thunder, but um, it's given law enforcement some tools that they did not have before. You know, it used to be when a U-Haul got stopped and it was full of, you know, full of people being smuggled, all the cop could do is give them a ticket for not wearing a seatbelt and send them on their way. So now they've got some of those tools. I, I'm sure she'll talk about that more. Um, I've been focused on the flood of fentanyl that's coming along the same vectors. Uh, I'm a co-sponsor on a bill this year to, uh, uh, you know, improve our Good Samaritan laws, so, you know, people who are overdosing, you know, the the people with them aren't afraid to call the cops uh, so we can save some of these lives. But these are all stopgap measures until the president executes his constitutional responsibilities and secures our borders. Uh, You know, every state's a border state now, including Kansas, and it's just not sustainable for our nation. It's not sustainable. That's why we see, like, Texas making the big news, trying to take matters into their own hands, and the government, the federal government, not liking that at all. So it's only a matter of time until we have to just are acting on our own to make sure that this doesn't happen here in Kansas as well. It's a scary thought. We've talked to Tony Mativi with the Kansas Bureau of Investigations quite a bit on the program about this battle on fentanyl. Is it getting better, do you think, in the state? Yeah. Um, you know, it, it they're, they're doing a better job of coordinating with other agencies and with locals to stop it. But, you know, we I'm on the Kansas Security Co- uh, Committee, and we met in the interim here, and uh, KBI told us that they seized enough fentanyl last year to kill every man, woman, and child in Kansas five times over. That's what they seized. So imagine how much is making it to our kids, you know. I, and this is this has been a huge impact here in Leavenworth, we, you know, and in Leavenworth County. I, I've talked to a lot of families uh, that are losing loved ones, and it, you know, yeah, it's the 
It's the, you know, the folks that get addicted and are overdosing. But, you know, I, there's a gentleman who lives right down the road. His name's Andy Burris. His son, 15 years old, bought a pill on Snapchat that he thought was a Percocet, just, you know, kid experiment with drugs, which is stupid, but kids yep. do stupid things, took it, overdosed, dead. You know, that kid's not home with his family for Christmas. Um, we have got to secure our borders, and we've got to stop the flood of this poison coming from China through Mexico into our country, um, uh, you know, if we're going to if we're gonna have a future as a nation. Yeah, what a wild time to live in right now. But you guys are fighting it. We're doing what we can, taking matters into our hands and getting this stuff solved here in the state of Kansas. Pat Proctor, State Representative, District Number 41 from the Leavenworth area. Pat, keep up the fight, my friend. Have some fun in this session. I know that you guys are under the skin of Governor Kelly, and it's kind of fun to watch her squirm and get all angry. So keep up that fight. Let's get you back on again for another update real soon. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. Hey, absolutely. Honored to serve. Hey, absolutely. Keep it up, my friend. There it is. Pat Proctor, State Representative, District 41. Great stuff there. Lots of content. We'll break all that down and more. Plus, State Representative Rebecca Schmoy coming up to kick off hour number two as well. Take a break. One more segment right around the corner here on Kansas Talk. Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. Stay here. Welcome back into it. Five minutes to the top of the hour, wrapping up hour number one of Kansas Talk. Thanks again to Pat Proctor coming on the program. State representative from District Number 41 in the Leavenworth area. Keep up that fight, my friend. Good stuff. Uh, it really puts things into perspective with what the governor's been trying to do, where she has to have some kind of W. She doesn't want to be just the governor that wasn't able to get anything done. Now, I will give her credit to a degree. Not, I'll give her the credit in the sense that she's been praised for things that she doesn't really deserve the praise for, but she's at least gotten the recognition and praise for something. So I guess <laughs> I guess that's a pat on the back. But as you know, that she was uh, voted in as the chairwoman or the president or whatever it is for some like regional education committee thing for numerous different states to talk about public education uh, because she went into this saying that she was going to be the education governor. And under her administration throughout the last few years, we, quote-unquote, and I say this in air quotes for the radio listeners, settled the Gannon lawsuit regarding the amount of funding for public education, but they still continue to battle by saying that now we need to fund special education that we talked about last week with State Representative Christy Williams from the Augusta area, where they say that we need special education funding because we're not meeting our standard for that, where it's some arbitrary number of how much the state's supposed to pay for special ed. But when we pay for the special ed, it doesn't go towards a special bank account for the special ed issues and resources. It just goes into the general funds for the school district, and then they apply however much they need into special ed while saying they're not getting enough for it. So that's their new argument to try and get more funding of public education from the state government and suing ourselves for more money with our own taxpayer money. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So Governor Kelly has praised herself for being the education governor, but at the same time, she uh, really hasn't done a whole lot on education. The quality hasn't gone up. Graduation rates haven't gone up. The curriculum hasn't gotten any better. We're just funding it now. And I guess that's a success if you want. So uh, her agenda has been interesting. And the only real wins that she's gotten is by adopting Republican plans as her own and then saying Republicans are working on her own time. So uh, interesting legislative session. We'll see how we move through this one. There's a lot of things that we'll be talking about over the next few weeks. All right. When we come back, hour number two right around the corner, we have Rebecca Schmoy, District Number uh, 59. 
We'll get her on the program. She has a great Second Amendment bill to solidify and protect the constitutional amendments here in the states regarding the protection of your firearms. We'll talk about that, plus immigration, migration issues, and some of the stuff she's worked on over the past year or so. Lots more coming up here. It's Candace Talk, Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. Stay here. Unfiltered. Broadcasting live from West Wichita in the KQAM studios. It's time for your weekend kickstart with Wichita's number one conservative talk radio host. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into it. What's up? Happy Saturday morning to you. It is Kansas Talk right here, Wichita's Big Talker. KQAM 1480 on the AM dial, 99.7 HD4 on the FM dial. If you have that smart radio, we also are simulcasting with our friends out in Garden City, Kansas on the Big Talker KQAM out there. KIUL. What's up? KIUL, Garden City, Kansas. How are you guys out in Western Kansas as well? So wonderful to have you along for the ride on a Saturday trying to stay warm out there eh? i'm loving it i gotta be honest i am loving it although i am a little bit jealous on the voice of reasons broadcast yesterday we chatted with a guest who was on vacation on a boat in the virgin islands at like 75 78 degrees so you know uh, as much as i enjoy the cold and i'll go outside and do my morning meditation take a deep breath there you know breath of the fresh air and kind of wake up myself a little bit i would totally take 75 degrees on a beach in the virgin islands as well just out there so if anybody wants to you know do a gofundme for the millennial over here <laughs> we can do that as well welcome in 316-721-8255 316-721-TALK on the maximum outdoor equipment hotline thanks again to pat proctor coming on the program state representative from district 41 in the last segment great content great information as we are officially week number one in the books for our legislative session of 2024 and an interesting one at that for sure as we had the state of the state address show of hands anybody that even knew the state of the state address was going on. It sounded more like that Governor Kelly wanted to reprimand the Republican legislators as opposed to addressing the people of the state with what's going on in the state and what she'd like to do. It's kind of way that the state of the state address sounded. And we have some of those audio clips. We also have Dan Hawkins, who did the rebuttal to the state of the state address uh, shortly after as well. So we'll get to all that and more. Coming up bottom of this hour, we also have State Senator Mike Thompson from District Number 10 in the Johnson and Wyandotte counties. Now we'll chat with him about uh, some of that recap and so much more. But I don't want to waste any time. I want to get right to our next guest here on the program as we are focusing solely on the legislative session uh, today as we have the first week in the books, taxes and energy and even a really important issue that was brought up as this next guest ended up proposing a constitutional amendment that we get to decide on that helps solidify and lock in more of our Second Amendment pro-gun rights here in the state of Kansas. Happy to have back on the show. She's also with One Million Moms Against uh, Gun Control. She's a state representative from District Number 59. Happy to have back on here, Rebecca Schmoy. Rebecca, Happy New Year to you. How are you? Happy New Year, Andy. And I am doing great, hitting the ground running, as you said. So I'm I'm just excited to look forward to this session and see what we can get done in the way of protecting freedom for Kansas. Yeah, it is. It's a wild first week. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's been thrown out on the table, but this one definitely stood out because 
Obviously, the other side loses their minds whenever you guys bring this issue up. And overall, compared to other states, we are one of the most pro-Second Amendment states in the nation, which is great. But we can always fine-tune this system. Talk about what you presented this week because, again, the other side doesn't know how to handle this type of issue. All right. So what we've got is we are looking at a constitutional amendment, which means that it will go on the ballot on the general election and the public, Kansans, get to decide for themselves. What this addresses is Section 4 in the Kansas Constitution, which happens to be similar to our Second Amendment rights at the federal level. So we already have a provision in the Kansas Constitution that protects gun rights for all of us responsible gun owners. What it doesn't say is what we are trying to address. We are trying to address the fact that we continuously get attacked and we are looking at other states across the nation that are getting attacked on the regular over ammunition, over accessories and firearm components. So we are spelling it out within our state constitution that Second Amendment already protects these things. And so we are just clarifying language Mm -hmm. at the state level so that we are clear for generations to come that this right also includes the possession and use of ammunition, firearms accessories, and firearms components. We are also adding in the line, the right to keep and bear arms is a natural fundamental right and shall not be infringed. Any restriction of such a right shall be subject to the strict scrutiny standard. So that's the highest standard that a court can can view. And so what we're doing here is we are preemptively making sure that everybody across the board understands what all is included in our already established rights keeping their arms. I love it. That's a great bill. Now, uh, it's, it reminds me, when you talk about the accessories, you talk about uh, the, the things that go along with the gun industry as a whole, that we had, we tried something like this uh, years back with the Second Amendment Protection Act, and I know that the federal government tried to come down and make an example out of Candace, and we still have those ongoing legal battles about whether Candace was able to do that. Is this a stronger bill than the Second Amendment Protection Act, obviously being a constitutional amendment that we'd actually get to vote on? Uh, but if this passes and we are able to put this into the state constitution, uh, will this give us a stronger argument to push back against the federal government when they try to put on their restrictions on what we can do as a state? Well, federal level, unfortunately, uh, does supersede right now um, what we are doing. Then again, at the federal level, we are seeing cases like Bruin. And when the Bruin decision protected traditional and common use, then it really did open it up to where our rights are more protected at the federal level than they ever have been mm. in, in our lifetime. Yeah. And so um, this works in tandem with federal level. Very that good. being said... It is important for us to understand that what is going on at the federal, the federal level attack on our rights, we are, as far as 
organizations continually fighting against the federal government and their infringement. Yeah. So yeah. this this doesn't necessarily supersede federal law, but it does give Kansans a footing and a path to making sure that everything that we are doing here basically it, it falls in line with the Second Amendment. Yeah. And that's what we need. I mean, every year we always advance our agenda on this issue, which is really nice because of our Republican majority we have in the legislature. But the other side always tries to repeal some of it. For the last how many years now, they've tried to get rid of the uh, guns on on college campuses in the state and trying to put certain age limits on the firearms uh, and trying to raise it up to 21 or 25 years old or whatever they try to do now. That This is a way for us to really put a, a vast majority of those conversations away to where they can't keep bringing this stuff up and have them chip away at the Second Amendment at a statewide level. So this is something that I think is absolutely essential, isn't it? It really is. And what what we need to make sure that we are stressing to everybody that we talk about or talk to about this is that we're trying to prevent further waste of legislative time combating all of these bad bills that and bad amendments that try to warm their way in. So we we want to make sure that we are saving legislative time so that we can focus on other issues and we're saving taxpayer money so that we are not constantly having to worry about going to court and send the AG to protect, you know, ammunition rights and firearms accessories and components. We want to make sure that we are doing the best job we possibly can for Kansans making good use of our time and their money. Yeah, I love it. I, I think this is absolutely a wonderful bill, and I, I commend you guys for going up there and fighting for this one. Uh, what's the process? Talk about how this is going to go through, because being a constitutional amendment, obviously a little bit bigger, so correct me if I'm wrong, that we need, what, three-quarters of each chamber to pass this one to get it on the ballot uh, for the state, correct? Yes, it's, it's uh, two-thirds. 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 In, in the legislature to get it actually on to the ballot. My hope, as we are carrying this through, is that we can really stress the fact, regardless of party, regardless of your idea about what our gun rights are and how you feel about people having gun rights, regardless of any of the other hot-button issue things and all of the talking points and rhetoric, I'm hoping that we can get people, regardless of side that they're on, to understand that it is this is our opportunity to step out of the way and allow the people of Kansas to have a say on if they want the extra wording added. That way we don't have gatekeepers who are standing in the way of their constituents who may or may not agree with them. Whether you're talking about a situation where there are responsible gun owners in an area and their legislators are standing firm against their rights, or whether you're talking about a district like mine, where overwhelmingly we are, we are gun rights people. However, I do understand that I represent people who don't agree with me on this topic. Sure. And I feel as strongly that they should have a voice on this as I feel that we should all be protecting our rights. So yeah. it's, it really does give the people of Kansas 
a say in whether or not we add the extra language that we can use moving forward to save us time and money. If we are if we're able to pass this and hopefully we are come the general election in November, what would this do on a city level with many of the cities? Obviously, the city of Wichita, one of the bigger ones, Topeka, where you guys have your sessions up in the Kansas City area as well, that uh, some of these cities that try to put some type of gun restrictions on in their communities, would this help kind of clear up some of those laws as well for them to have to abide by state law, allowing individuals to carry firearms within city limits? We would have to go to the AG for an opinion, an official opinion on that, but I don't see where it would hurt. Sure. In fact, if this gets onto, or let's think positive, when this gets onto the ballot so that the people of Kansas can review it and decide for themselves, um, if it gets passed, great, and we add the extra wording and the extra protections to save us time and money down the road and to preserve rights for generations to come, if it doesn't pass, we don't lose anything. Sure. We still have Section 4 as it stands today. And so it's, it is a fantastic opportunity to give Kansans a voice on what they want their Constitution to look like and what wording they want to see within the Section 4. Sure. I love it. I love you guys poking the bear and being able to actually lock in these rights here for Second Amendment issues in the state because we continue to be one of those trendsetters on two-way issues nationwide, and I think that's really awesome. We're talking with State Representative Rebecca Schmoy, District Number 59. Rebecca, we got just about a minute or two left here before we have to wrap up, but I do want to shift gears and ask you real quickly about, I know last year you were also part of a very intricate bill that was trying to stop some of the human trafficking here in the state of Kansas, and I know it came back as Uh, They tried to say it was some kind of racist bill, but I I know that you guys worked hard on that with the ongoing migration problem at the southern border, with the fentanyl battle and human trafficking we're seeing in Kansas. Uh, Are you seeing things getting a little bit better in the state, and is that a topic of conversation in the session this year for you as well? It's going to be a topic of conversation, (laughs) unfortunately, for the foreseeable future because of our uh, status at the border and just uh, the wave of people coming in. Um, I'm not going to say everybody coming across the border is a bad guy. I am just saying that this is not the way that we should be doing business as far as immigration into our country. Um, The bill itself, when when we were working to, when Representative Barth and I were working to get it passed uh, so diligently last year, it was attacked as a racist bill. And it was vetoed by the governor, and we were able to get the override on that veto. And it has since been used in the state of Kansas, I believe, at least four times. And we're talking saving the lives of adults through children in the state of Kansas. And so there there are ways that we have been approaching this that are actually doing good and in, in helping individuals, whether they are here legally, whether they are not, whether they don't have the proper documentation. These are still human beings who deserve basic human dignity and respect. And so it's, it's very disheartening to know that people had attacked this bill that has gone on to actually help people in these situations and will continue to be used in such a way to save people from horrifying living conditions and being 
basically bought and sold as property. This is the human smuggling aspect directly leads into trafficking, and that is modern-day slavery, and we should all be definitely against that. Amen to that. I'm so glad you guys were able to override the veto on that. And again, the governor who says that she likes to work across the aisle has more vetoes under her belt than I think any other governor in the past 50, 60 years in the state of Kansas. So there is that. And we're seeing it already come into play and actually benefiting and saving the lives of individuals that don't have to go through the horrors of actually being human trafficked. So God bless you guys for doing it. And of course, this one, I think they work in tandem between that bill and the one that you're proposing now with this constitutional amendment, trying to protect ourselves and solidifying and locking in those rights for two-way issues in Kansas. It's absolutely amazing. I love watching what you guys are doing up there. State Representative Rebecca Schmoy, District Number 59. We appreciate the time very much, my friend. Keep uh, keep up the fight. Keep us posted on this bill. Let's get you back on again real soon. Absolutely. I am always happy to come on and talk to you about freedom of stuff because you know as well as I do that this is this is our real house. And yeah. so I, I thoroughly enjoy my time with you. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, it's always so much uh, so much fun to chat with you. Uh, keep up that fight, and we'll get you back on as this session continues on. We are in gung-ho mode, baby. We're in beast mode in this legislative session of this year to watch what Republicans are working on, and that's another major bill with the Second Amendment here in the state with Rebecca Schmoy. Great fighter for that advocacy here in the state. We appreciate her very, very much. We'll take a break, get your phone calls on this and so much more. State Senator Mike Thompson will go to the other chamber when we come back after the bottom of the hour as well to recap the State of the State address, the Democrats' agenda, and what we're actually doing to counter some of that. We'll have some fun with that coming up right around the corner. Stay here on KQAM and Kansas Talk. to have Ted Nugent be playing after our conversation with Rebecca Schmoy. What a great fighter. We love having her on the program. What a great fighter. One Million Moms Against Gun Control. She's been a huge gun uh, gun advocate here in the state of Kansas for a very long time. Recent uh, as a freshman. This is her second session now in the legislature. And rocking it. I mean, last year came out hitting the ground running, man, with some great bills and then coming out this year as well with a constitutional amendment on the Second Amendment, trying to protect that as a constitutional right in the state. So all the other bills that the Democrats try to push for them to try and repeal guns on college campuses, for them to try and put age restrictions, for them to try and get rid of assault weapons, whatever the future may hold, which remember the dynamics of the state are changing in the legislature. So uh, and as the population grows and we see potentially this turning into a slightly more purple state, which they say it is right now, and it kind of is, but it's not as bad as what it could be that down the road, let's say 50, 60, 70, 80 years down the road, we have Democrats running the place, God forbid, and they try to repeal it, they're going to have a very difficult time doing so if we have it locked in as the cons- in the Constitution for the state of Kansas. Now, as she mentioned, we already do have the protections under Section 4, but we do need to kind of uh, redefine some things and uh, be very clear on what we're trying to advocate for in the state. Interesting stuff. we got a couple minutes here before the bottom of the hour. Let's sneak in a phone call here, shall we? 316-721-8255 on the Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotlines line at number one. Good morning. Who's this? Hey, Frank, I'm up, Andy. What's up, brother? What you got? Hey, I think you know what I mean when I say that, and I'm not talking about dumping hot sauce on Democrats, right? 
Yeah. Speaking you know, of, I've been making a massive batch of my homemade salsa lately. Really? Oh, well, man, I tell you yeah. what, it is so cold outside. Yesterday morning, when I went to my to the drive-thru, my favorite McDonald's, and I know a couple of girls there. I don't know their names, but I just joke with them whenever I go through the drive-thru with their working. And one of them was working. Poor thing, she's all bundled up. And I said, man, can you believe these temperatures are so outrageous, isn't it? Yeah. And I said, <laughs> I said, you know, I once knew a woman that's cold. <laughs> she like fell out the window. That's <laughs> Telling you, telling you, yeah, there's something going on. I keep telling my little daughter because she's into that movie Frozen and uh, Elsa, which is the Snow Queen. I keep telling her, I'm like, Elsa's mad at us. You got to tell her to like stop it because this is this is crazy, man. And as much as I like the cold, man, this is this. It's a little brutal. It's a little brutal, Sean. I hate to cut you off here. I got to take a bottom of the hour hard break here. Uh, but happy New Year to you. We got a lot to talk about. I'm sure I'll be hearing from you here again real soon. When we come back, we got to talk with Mike Thompson. State uh, state Senator. We'll go to the other chamber here, District Number 10. We'll talk about the recap of the State of the State Address in Kansas. So we had a big one this year, and it's been a big first week. So we'll break all that down and so much more. Plus, get your thoughts on what's going on, what your topics, what your main issues should be for the new year in our state legislature. We'll do all that and more coming up around the corner. 29 minutes past the hour. It's Kansas Talk, Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM+. Plus. Howdy to our friends out in Garden City. We'll be getting your elected officials on here soon as well out in western Kansas to talk about your priorities, water conservation, agriculture, and so much more. It's all coming up right here on Kansas Talk. Stay here. You'll say we've got nothing in common, no common ground to start from, and we're falling apart. Call the show at 316-721-8255. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. Yeah, flashback to the 90s, man. You know what's making me feel old? And again, I'm 35. I'm a millennial here. But this stuff, this stuff's starting to play on oldies radio stations. Are you kidding me, man? The 90s stuff. The hell's wrong with you? Welcome back into it. 316-721-8255 on the Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotlines. Got a lot to talk about as we've had a great conversation so far. State Representative Pat Proctor, District 41, last hour. Just got done with our chat with Rebecca Schmoy on the House side as well with her constitutional amendment on Second Amendment issues. That is going to be epic. I'm going to love to see how that one moves forward. Hopefully we can get that two-thirds majority in the state legislature. Uh, Last guest of the day, I want to shift gears a little bit as we get back into it. On the other chamber, on the other side there, as we work on what's going on in the Senate, happy to have back on the program. We loved our chat the last time we had him in studio as he's up in the Johnson and Wyandotte County areas. How in the world he's able to keep that conservative voice in that area while they continue to go further and further to the left i am in awe and in shock and i absolutely love it from district number 10 happy to have on here state senator mike thompson mike happy new year my friend good to get you back on same to you andy and i'll tell you what we're starting it off now with some cold weather it's uh, about six degrees up here too so uh, we're just we got some chili on the stove and uh, we're staying warm and and uh, getting ready for another week of battle coming that, up. That's what it is. You are a meteorologist. I mean, this is total like global warming to its uh, tenth degree, right? Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, oh yeah, all that CO2 is really helping us out, right? <laughs> we're, we're we're burning up up here. So no, up. I uh, don't, talk, don't get me started on that scam. That's all you're going to hear about. So uh, uh-huh. yeah, it's no. a it's a mess. It's a mess. Well, this first week has been really fun to watch in the legislature because you guys have thrown a lot out on the table. We've talked with Rebecca Schmoy about her constitutional amendment on guns in the House side. Pat Proctor's talked about election stuff, and I, I tell you, mm-hmm. this, I, I I said it early on at the beginning of the show. Only in Kansas can we have a Democrat governor who was a former senator that voted against massive tax cuts in the state as a senator and as the governor vetoing numerous bills can turn around, use the Republican platform on tax cuts, say it's her agenda, and then say that Republicans are now working with her to actually get tax cuts done. Like, this is wild to me, Mike. It's kind of duplicitous, yeah. Uh, every Had she not vetoed our tax cuts in the last session, Every Kansan right now would be enjoying a tax cut. Uh, and our retirees on Social Security wouldn't be paying taxes on that income. We'd be at a single-rate tax that doesn't punish uh, younger people as they climb the ladder and make more money. It doesn't push them up into the next uh, tax bracket. And, I mean, there are just so many benefits of the tax plan we had. And then she took the, the parts that play well to the uh, media, and you're right, incorporated in, into her plan, calls it something new, and and steps out and leads the charge. And it's uh, it's mind-boggling, but uh, we're we're going to try to get another uh, uh, swipe at this, I think, coming up. In fact, we've already got a conference committee uh, going on taxes, and we may have a tax bill out as early as next week. We're not going to wait until late in the session this time to take care of that so that if the governor vetoes it again, which is likely, then we can work on the override. I love it. There's a Talk about what this could potentially entail. I know we've heard conversation about the previous bill that was proposed by the Kansas Chamber of Commerce on what, kind of like a flat tax, but that single rate tax plan uh, with even deducting the 15000 or less, not even paying taxes. I know that the governor's talked about and that some have talked about trying to get rid of uh, income tax on Social Security recipients in the state, trying to do right. uh, property taxes and trying to raise up that threshold a little bit. Is all of that on the table? And what else are you guys talking about? Yes, it is all on the table. We We want people to be able to – we're sitting on – a not only a combination of a budget surplus and the rainy day fund in excess of four billion dollars and if you look at the most successful states the ones that have economic development and and true expansion and growth it's the states that have no state income tax now we you know like it, it taxes in florida and tennessee we don't have near the amount of tourism those areas do uh, and they rely on the tourism to a large degree for some of this extra funding. But the next tier of states that are successful are the ones with a single-rate tax because it doesn't punish uh, anybody trying to advance and get ahead. <clears throat> Plus, people know exactly what they're going to get. They don't have all these marginal rates and complex tax structures. So there's that. We're also going to talk about um, you know increasing your standard deductions. We're going to remove the uh, deduction. We're going to remove the tax on Social Security income. We're going to increase the threshold on that 20 mil um, tax for the education funding. Uh, we're working on property tax. So everything, where everything is being scrutinized, and we had a huge tax bill. I mean, it was 
pages and pages long last year. It was it was going to help everybody in the state. She vetoed it. We couldn't get the veto override. So that's going to be our big hurdle this time. It's going to be probably the same package. The single rate may adjust a little bit, but I, I think there's going to be some uh, you know, some negotiations between the House and the Senate on that. Yeah. Uh, our original plan from the Senate was at 4.75%. Uh, the House is talking 5.15, 5.25. Either way, it helps the lowest income because it allows people who make very low incomes to pay no income tax at all. And, you know, of course, the uh, typical argument from the governor is that, well, you know, that that's going to help the folks who make a lot of money. Well, who uh, whoever got a job from a poor man? Yeah. Uh, the folks who make a lot of money are the ones who own businesses, who employ people. And uh, they also pay the largest share of the taxes to begin with. So as a nominal dollar, yeah, they get a bigger tax cut. But as a percentage, it's it's not uh, significantly more than anybody else. So it really does help everyone. It is going to help everyone. So the next question is, like you said, is will we able to get this passed? Not to mention any names of Dennis Pyle or Carolyn McGinn, who ended up fighting against that last time because I don't want to oust them. But at the same time, like, are, are they are they on board with this this time? Because that individual, Dennis Pyle, for example, was one that was about tax cuts, being a staunch conservative, and then ended up being the veto that we couldn't get this to override the governor's veto. Uh, he voted against this in that override session for whatever reason, as a conservative who wants to cut taxes. So do we have the numbers this time to make it happen, do you think? I don't know, because uh, those same folks are still signaling the same thing. We'll (laughs) see. Um, You know, hopefully they'll realize at this point, um, you know, we've got to provide tax. We're setting on all this extra money. We need to be able to give it back to to Kansans to to start uh, uh, be able to use it however they'd like to use it. That is going to be the big uh, push. I mean, we're probably, <sighs> well, I, I, at this point, I would say we're probably a couple short. Uh, so we'll see what our uh, our Senate president can do to rectify that situation. Uh, president Masterson's got a, a, a task ahead of him. So we'll yeah. see. I, I hope these people come around and realize this is not about personalities. This is not about ego. Uh, this is about helping Kansans, and that's really what it's all about. So I hope that they can put any personal feelings aside um, and, and do the right thing. Yeah, you would think that would be really nice. We're talking with State Senator Mike Thompson, District Number 10. Let's talk about the state of the state for uh, for a minute as well, as the governor not only tried to <laughs> reprimand you guys for not doing whatever she wanted to do, because how dare you, it wasn't very publicized. We didn't even know about it really as the general public that it was going to happen. It was just, oh, she ended up speaking tonight kind of thing. But one of the big issues that she's been going around the state campaigning on has been, of course, again, Medicaid expansion. And I don't think it's going to happen this year, but she just won't let this go. This is wild. Yeah, you know, and this is something every time we run a bill that uh, where it germaneness can uh, be allowed for like a health bill, we're going to see a constant push and an attack uh, to implement Medicaid expansion. And of course, they're saying, well, it's going to save rural hospitals, it's going to help a lot of people. But if you look at other states, who have expanded Medicaid, we know what's going to happen. It, it's going to bust the budget. It's not going to help the, the poorest of the poor who need the health coverage. In fact, it's going to hurt them because in those expansion states, 
basically they're adding able-bodied people who should be out there working. And most of them already have either private health insurance through their employer or they have access to extremely subsidized plans on the marketplace. And so all of a sudden what we see is the enrollment always is double what uh, the projections are. So you, uh, for Kansans, they're talking about 350,000 able-bodied adults uh, adding to Medicaid expansion. Uh, it'll be probably double that, which means our budget is going to be out of control, and any talk about tax cuts thereafter will just completely go away. Um, I mean, there, there's so many reasons not to do Medicaid expansion. Uh, all I have to do is back up to uh, the implementation of the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare. And everybody was promised at that point that, oh, gosh, you're going to be able to keep your doctor. The costs are going to go down 2500 bucks a year. Well, just the opposite has happened. And Medicaid expansion is nothing more than the next step in Obamacare to completely nationalize the health care system. And, you know, I, I have a lot of people who work in the health care, a lot of friends who work in the health care industry, and it is a disaster. Um, and, you know, these rural hospitals, some of these rural hospitals in Medicaid expansion states have closed for two reasons. One, the reimbursement rate uh, for Medicaid patients is lower than it costs for them to treat them. That's one thing, but there's also a workforce issue because in these Medicaid expansion states, uh, people who go on Medicaid jump off the workforce. They're the lower income people. And so those hospitals can't find anybody to work in like a CNA position or, the, you know, the uh, uh, environmental services and things like that. So it, everything that Medicaid expansion promises, it does the opposite. Yeah. And if you do a deep dive, it just doesn't make any sense. But they've been out there selling this statewide, and I know a lot of people don't completely understand it, but uh, we, we've we seen the stats. We know what's going to happen. It's a bad, bad deal. Yeah, it'd be a disaster. And other states that are trying to get out of this should be a telltale sign of like, hey, the government's not fully reimbursing what they said that they were going to fully reimburse. They're running out of money on these programs. And yeah, it's consolidating the power at the federal level is not a good idea for a state that's supposed to be what uh, what is a state program. Oh, we got a couple minutes left here, Mike. I know that you're also okay. part of that federal and state affairs committee as the chair on that one. So uh, that link right. between the federal government and the state is an important one. But are how are we doing? And is there anything that we're working on this year to try and continue to uh, cut off some of that um, nannyism from the federal government, allowing Kansas huh. to be a little bit more independent and allowing us to do our own thing? Yeah, we're looking at ways to do that. I mean, that's that's always the tough thing. Uh, we we're looking at um, oh gosh, uh, some bills that would um, hopefully you know answer that issue. I know we're looking at uh, uh, I've got one. It's in uh, gosh, you would have to ask me. My brain is uh, just cramping up on me. But yes, we are trying to do some things about that. Yeah. I also have some disclosure uh, uh, for um, some of these uh, Chinese companies. We're, we're going to be working on the foreign adversaries issue uh, this year. Once again, we're going to be working on uh, that constitutional amendment coming to us from uh, the House. Um, so we've got a lot of different things, but yeah, the federal overreach, it's always interesting. And to be honest, the Medicaid expansion is part of that, uh, fighting that is part of the, Medi uh, the, uh, federal overreach issues that we've got. Yeah. 
uh, we just states need to take back control. Um, and to the extent that we can do that, we're looking at everything possible. But, really you know, you got a federal government out of control, $34 trillion in debt, uh, $1.7 trillion deficit. Uh, the trouble is we always look at these um, numbers as – or the federal money as uh, – you know, well, a windfall to the state, but there's always strings attached. So we really need to start pushing back against doing things just so we can get federal money. And yeah. fed- Medicaid expansion is one of those. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. I mean, it's the strings attached. It's the mob-like mentality of, sure, we'll give you some money, but you better do something for us or get rid of some of your conservative legislation. We got we to get back to that concept of federalism, allowing the states to pretty much run as a sovereign state for the most part uh, with guidance from the federal government in some cases. And uh, right now we're so dependent on federal money coming in that that's uh, not possible in many cases. So the more we can do is the better that we can. I love it. And we're working on that. It's Mike Thompson, State Senator, District Number 10. Always a pleasure, my friend. Keep it up. It's going to be a fun session to watch how this all unfolds. And uh, we got to get you back on again for another update here soon. Appreciate it, Andy. We'll do it. Hey, absolutely. Always a pleasure. That's State Senator Mike Thompson. We always appreciate it. Happy New Year to you, my friend, as always. We'll take a break. One more segment right around the corner. We'll get your phone calls on everything we've talked about and so much more. As There's been a lot that we've thrown down on the table for you. Now you get to pick it up and process it. We'll do that when we come back. It's Candace Talk, Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. Stay right here. To say the show has flown right on by today for a Saturday. Kansas Talk, Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. Our friends out in Garden City on KIUL as well. Good morning to you. Welcome in. A few minutes left here of the program. Thanks again to Mike Thompson coming on the show. District number 10, state senator up in the Johnson and Wyandotte. Can you imagine that? Sal guy, he's a fighter. He's a conservative, wonderful individual. And he's representing a very progressive area. So kudos to him on keeping that fight up and going. Hey, I want to tell you about my friends over at Napoleon Appliance Repair. Your appliance repair individuals here in South Central Kansas. Whatever you may need, they can do it for you. They are voted best of again in 2023 for appliance repair in the state of Kansas and the city of Wichita uh, with the Wichita Eagles. So congratulations to you guys. Anything that you need, whether it's the extreme cold, if something goes out, don't let the appliances go down in those times of need during the holidays when you have family and friends over or when it's just really cold out. And you're trying to, like, I don't know, bake something in the oven to try and keep the house warm a little bit and then make some delicious food so you can stay nice and roasty, toasty warm inside your house this weekend when it's in the negative temperatures. If it goes out, these are the guys to call. Napoleon Appliance Repair. You can give them a call 316-409-1525. 316-409-1525. Also follow them on their social media at Napoleon Appliance Repair LLC and make sure that you stay in tune with what they're doing and get them out there to do some checkups to fix something, or to do the preventative maintenance to make sure nothing goes down in that time of need. Great partners with us here on KQAM and on Kansas Talk. We love them to death. We'll get them back on the show again real soon. Got a few minutes left. Open lines to you at 316-721-8255 and all the conversation that we've had throughout the show today with all of our great guests, focusing mostly on the legislative session with a lot happening in Topeka this year to kick off that first week. Let's go to the phones here. Line number one. Good morning. Who's this? Uh, this is Don. Don, how you are you, sir? Me, you know me as Dan. I love it. Welcome in. Happy New Year. I, I thought I'd speak on this transgender, transgender issue yeah. that you've been speaking of. I had the opportunity to have my life, driver's license, put, and they actually asked me, do you, you want to be female or male? I said, no, male. 
Mm. I, I, I wanted to be identified if I were an accident. That's my, that was my choice, but I don't see that as, I, I don't think that would be a big deal, honestly. I don't need affirmation sure. of my situation. I'm confident in who I am in either role. Yeah. And, and, and you, you know what? You know and that's, me. yeah, and that's, and that's the way to be is to be confident in who you are. And like you said, if God forbid you're in an accident and they take you to the hospital, you're out in a coma, you would want them to have that type of information to properly handle you the best way, correct? Correct. And, and I testified for this uh, house and for Susan Estes and as Dawn, and I've testified in behalf of the bill to keep transgenders out of women's sports. Yeah. Because I believe that that was so egregiously wrong to take advantage of an advantage that you don't you haven't earned. Yeah. Uh, do you think that they've this this movement? Do you think that as a social and political movement that they've kind of taken a hold of on this thing that they've taken it just a little bit too far? Do you think? Yeah, and incorporated the the transgender as a as a I'll say whip against conservatives, if nothing else. And I'm a conservative. I have this one issue. But it's I'm, I'm a conservative in all ways, yeah. and I see this as trying to co-opt. And honestly, I know these people pretty well. They don't give a damn yeah. about transgenders. That's not their concern. No. It's political power is what they're after. It's political power and identity politics that they like to play. I appreciate that. We gotta, we're wrapping up here, so I appreciate the call very much. And you're right. It has been taken from people just living their lives, which is a conservative policy, just people living their life how they want to do so, and turned it into a political movement, politi- uh, turned it into political shaming, the identity politics to try and control, centralize that power, and to dominate you in whatever lifestyle that may be. So happy New Year's, my friend. I appreciate that phone call very much. And... Uh, Drives it home, baby. I love it. We're back at it again next weekend for another episode of Kansas Talk. Don't miss it. we got a lot more great guests coming on the program. U.S. Senator Roger Marshall joining the show as well on The Voice Reason next week. Until then, have a great weekend. We'll see you on the radio.